0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 208 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. What do I do now? Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
0: Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. And also Kentucky Performance Products, scientifically proven supplements for your horse at kvpusa.com.
2: bringing the news through hell high water while using their tails as their own fly swatters sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for
3: stable
2: scoop. stable scoop
1: stable scoop stable scoop stable scoop this is glenn the geek and this is helena b and you're listening to the stable scoop radio show on the horse radio network
0: Oh, productivity has been down all across the world the last two weeks as people try and recover from staying up late every night watching Olympic sports that they know nothing about, nor do they care about, but they watch anyway.
1: Uh, right. <laughs> right. I at least watch sports that I know plenty about.
0: Did you know trampolining was an Olympic sport?
1: Yes. I,
0: did. I didn't know that.
1: Yes. It's been, it's been a key component of men's gymnastics
0: forever. No, trampolining. Actually, trampolining on a trampoline.
1: thats Isn't that what you're talking about, the men's trampoline event?
0: Well, not part of the gymnastics. This is separate. This is trampolining on a trampoline like you get in your backyard.
1: Oh, that's right up there with table tennis, which (laughs) I don't care who you are or how much those people sweat. It is not... An athletic sport.
0: Can I thank uh, the Olympic Committee, though, on behalf of every man in the in the entire world for for bringing beach volleyball onto the Olympics? Oh. Can I thank everybody for that? I just wanted to say that. Uh, just get that out right now on behalf mm-hmm. of all men everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, it's the most wonderful mm-hmm. But you can watch the guys all half naked there playing beach volleyball. I don't. I
1: can watch them half naked swimming up and down the pool.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're only
1: in the pool and out of the pool.
0: And what's going on over there in that other pool sport that I, I can of can't watch? Polo, water polo—they're just getting nasty under that water. What's going on there?
1: I—it I, bores me. I have not watched water polo. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Pulling each other's bathing suits off under the water.
1: Ew! Really? Yeah, oh that god! Could, I'm glad it caused I, oh, a big no, no,
0: thing. No, it caused a big thing. It actually went out live on. Uh, they were doing <gasps> the underwater did shot.
1: That? Who pulled who? Uh,
0: American pulled uh, one of the opponent's uh, bathing suits and uh, gave full shot of. Uh, of the boobies on the top. Two oh, on the wants.
1: top? It Was it a, a females? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just fresh. That's <laughs> fresh. <gasps> Ooh.
0: There's a Ooh. video for all the guys who missed it. You can just look it up. Um, so, <laughs> well. That went out live. Uh, Yeah, so it's actually... It's been don't fun. even watch a polo
1: <laughs> water polo. Oh, actually, that's kind of hard to
0: watch because you, you only see the tops of their heads bobbing around.
1: I know. Exactly, which is why it's boring and I don't watch it.
0: Yeah. But they, the the uh, the horse sports have been terrific. The United States hasn't fared so well. Neither has Canada. But, boy, the British have – they really deserve – they worked hard, and they've deserved what they uh, – all the medals they've received d- during the equestrian time over there.
1: How cute is Mr. Skelton, though? Yes. How cute. How Nick cute. Skelton.
0: Of course, Nick uh, broke his back uh, here a while back and was laid up for a long time. He has, like, a replaced hip and knees. I mean, half his body is replaced. Oh. Um, <laughs> Oh, he should there. be
1: in the geriatrics Olympics. He's out there in the Olympics. Doing <laughs> I'll join this thing. him there in a few years.
0: You know, help them win gold in in jumping. So
1: no kidding. I mean, seriously, there will be a time. And that fellow from Australia, the the sprinter with um, you know, the double amputee. Yes, I'm telling you, it it there will be a time where the bionics that we get, our prosthetics, will make us better and faster than our fully human limbed. Do they have that parts. available
0: in the brain yet? Um, just, you know, the bionic brain. We don't have that yet, do we? I can't get a replacement at this point.
1: Oh, man, I could use one. <laughs> Let's line up. Let's line up.
0: So we've been watching. I assume you guys have all been watching. You and Gracie and Peter have been watching the Olympics?
1: Yes. That's about all Grace has been allowed to watch is the Olympics. Well, yeah.
0: that's good. There is, some, there is some fun stuff. And sports you'll never see again for another four years.
1: No. And she's like all of the Olympic gymnasts, the swimmers... The divers, uh, you know, they're all even the volleyball players. She knows they're all her heroes now. You know, it's almost like they're, not almost like they are celebrities to her at this point.
0: Well, you know, and if you think about when we were growing up, we had our own our own Nadia Comaneci and you know and they were all
1: Raten, yeah, all yeah, those Red names. Yeah. yeah, the whole the whole gang,
0: all those names. And back then, you only had got three stations, so you you watched uh, you watched the Olympics or 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 a sitcom, you know. And you, everybody gathered around and watched the Olympics, and they only showed a couple sports. You know, they weren't showing everything back, back in those days. No. So, no. so the, 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 the Jenners of the world, the Bruce Jenners, really did become superheroes, you know, uh, because everybody watched the same, same coverage. Now we, we have so many stations and different sports we can watch.
1: And uh, I'd much rather have her uh, look up to or idolize an Olympic athlete than, you know, somebody off the Disney Channel. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. You know, it's yeah, true. So, yeah. I, to me, this is a good uh, couple of days worth of television for her to watch.
0: Terrific. Well, we're going to have an interesting show for you today. We have a training roundtable coming up with some listener questions. These are questions that you've sent in over the past period of time here that we've gathered up, and we have uh, my wife, Coach Jen, coming on, who was your. You, we have your past coach and your current coach.
1: How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen?'m I'm going I'm going to be under the bus, aren't I? Somebody yeah. packed me lot. Yeah, you They're should be uh, under the bus. Be careful to
0: wrangle this and keep it under control because it could go downhill quickly and not to your benefit.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. That's okay. you know what? I'm humble. I'm humble. I, I, I am a crappy rider. I'm and
0: crappy. if it starts going too bad against Helena, I have her her mute button. I can just put her on mute.:
1: I'll be so. a good girl. <laughs> I think I will be.
0: Yeah. And then we have our Tack and habit segment coming up. You know, we've had so many expensive products on Tack and habit here recently. I have one that is, has a huge value today of $2.39, but you're going to want to buy 10 of them. So, well,
1: that's value. Yeah, you're right. The value may be huge, but the it's actual huge. price.
0: The price is $2.39, but you're going to want a bunch of them because it's a problem that we all have, and it really pisses us off, especially us horse husbands. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that in our Tack and Habit segment coming up later in the show as well. Well, let's, uh, let's first take a break for Kentucky Performance Products. We're going to switch it around a little bit today, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to, we're going to get our trainers on and answer some of your questions about training your horses. Hi, Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Karen from Kentucky Performance Products with a sensible supplementing tip of the week. We're going to talk about omega fatty acids' role in equine nutrition. So, Karen, everybody hears about omega fatty acids, but a lot of us, you know, we hear about it, and then it sort of goes out of our brain, and we don't really absorb what they are or why they're important.
2: Right, and, you know, Glenn, I think it's just very confusing to a lot of people, and mainly because there's so many of them, and they have so many odd names. So I think the easiest thing is is to just try to simplify it as much as I can for you. Um, Omega fatty acids are considered essential fatty acids. And what that means is they are fatty acids that are required for a biological purpose in the horse. In other words, they're not just used for fuel or energy, but they actually have a purpose. And they are considered essential because the horse cannot manufacture them on their own. We have to provide them in the diet. And because of the way we manage horses nowadays, you know, we've kind of moved away from um, managing horses just with a, with a fiber source. In other words, you know, it used to be horses just, you know, grazed all day out on pasture and different grasses. They got a little bit of grain now and then, maybe at the end of the growing season, but for the most part, they're eating grass. And grass is very high in um, omegas, in the, the good omegas for horses. So there's two kinds of omega fatty acids. There's omega-3 fatty acids and omega-6 fatty acids. And horses need both, but they need them in the correct ratio. And if you look at the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in different feedstuffs, if we look at grasses, we see that grass has five um, parts omega-3 to one part omega-6. And since grass is really what horses um, would eat naturally, that leads us to believe that the ratio... For omega threes to omega sixes, in a horse in nature would be more omega threes than omega sixes. So does Makes that sense. make sense? Do you Makes have any sense. Yep. yep. On that so far. So what we're looking at is we don't really know. They haven't. The researchers have not determined what exact the exact perfect ratio of omega threes to omega sixes in horses. But we know that they need more omega threes than sixes. And we're looking at somewhere between a 3 to 1, a 5 to 1 ratio in the diet. That, that seems to be a good spot to start or a good thumb rule. Unfortunately, um, because we've changed the way we manage horses over the years, we feed hay and we feed grain, and that has inverted the ratio. In other words, most of our horses are getting more omega-6s than they are omega-3s. If you have an inverted Ratio. In other words, if you have more omega 6s than omega 3s, then you have more inflammation in the body than you normally would if you had a higher amount of omega 3s. So the omega 3s as they move through the system tend to be anti inflammatory, and the omega 6s as they move through the system tend to be pro inflammatory. Your horse can use either 3 or 6, and they will use whatever is provided to them. But the result could be either beneficial or not so beneficial to your horse. Now, your horse does need some of both, but that ratio is very, very important.
0: How do I then turn it around to get more omega-3s back in than omega-6s?
2: Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, Grass is absolutely, you know, again, it's what nature intended horses to eat. So it's a very good source. Of omega 3. So, if you can allow your horse to graze for the majority of the day, then of course that's almost.
0: Which our horse would turn into a, uh, uh, you, exactly. you could fly him across the sky because he'd be a hot air balloon at that point.
2: That's right. A lot of horses can't because we've improved our pastures so much. Um, so, using feeds that are lower in um, omega 6s and higher in omega 3s are something that, that you can do now. Forages, um, both hay and pasture, will contain more omega-3s than omega-6s. So grass and hay is good for your horse, and we all know that You know that needs to be the basis of your diet. Um, some oils will contain more omega-3s than 6s. A lot of people um, are using flax seed now, and flax is higher in omega-3s than omega-6s. Um, also the fish oils, and a lot of fish oils are, are available over the counter now through supplementation. In fact, we have one called Contribute, that is a fish it's a combination of fish oil and flax oil, and it provides a complete complement of omega threes okay. It has an eight to one ratio of omega threes to omega sixes and it contains the plant and marine sources of omega threes now there's been in the past there's been some palatability issues with fish oil I don't know if you've ever smelled some of the fish oil are... Mm-hmm. Lots of horses will run to the back of their stall and just stand there going, Oh, my God, Mom, what did you put in my feed?
0: (laughs) Some of the human pills are like that, too. (laughs) Yeah, you
2: can really take So We did a lot of research with our product, and we got a fish oil that, um, uh, just on its own, smelled pretty good, and then we've added some flavor, some cherry flavor to it. That has made it very palatable. So we have very few horses turning it down. And like anything, you have to introduce it slowly and should introduce it slowly anyway to the horse. But we have very few horses that will turn it down.
0: Well, that's, uh, that, that's terrific. It's good to learn. I never knew about the ratio between the threes and the sixes. And, of course, you can find out more information on Kentucky Performance Products. New website has a terrific article on this, and we'll link to that in our show notes as well as on our Facebook page. And Or you could just go to kppusa.com to find out more about Omega Fatty Acids and the Contribute product. Just look under Products. Now we're we're gonna bring up two of Helena's favorite people: her ex trainer and her current trainer. Why don't you introduce them both?
1: My ex trainer, gosh, that sounds so insidious. Uh, no, she. I would say my my once uh, my former trainer. That's better. That's right. Okay. Yeah, X that, that seems like I sounds <laughs> like you got the worst. Off. Yeah. My <laughs> former trainer is uh, Coach Jen from the Horse Radio Network, the resident expert um, and host of Horse Tip Daily, which is my favorite podcast ever. It even beats out all of my favorite NPR podcasts. Uh, coach Jen and I go way back. We worked together um, in a very prestigious hunt barn up here in the Northeast. And um, I've got I got a lot of real world experience underneath Jennifer. She was a fabulous coach, a mentor. And as I always say, I joke around, but I'm really serious when I say this. She is literally a walking encyclopedia of horsemanship. Um, and, you know, this isn't just um let's see, the world of hard knocks. Jen is also um, a pony club graduate. She's she, She's she got her PhD in pony club. So she knows what she's talking about. And I'm always happy to have her on uh, because the questions I have for her never end. So she might not be physically here to teach me, but she's always just a phone call away. So we're going to say welcome to coach Jen. We also have on with us today, Nora Harris. And Nora Harris is the owner and operator of Nora Harris Equestrian, uh, where they focus on hunters, jumpers, and dressage. So she's a trainer and a riding instructor, and she is certified with the American Riding Instructors Association, which I love. I love that organization. Um, So she teaches horses and riders of all levels, and um, in fact, she takes Grace and I to some combined events because we're not really too big into the hunter-jumper world. A little too subjective for for Gracie at nine years old. But uh, so Nora's got this lovely, broad scope of experience. And uh, she, right now she's based in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, out of the Carnegie Abbey Equestrian Center. And she does travel. So not only does she have um, horses at that location, she also travels around as a freelance instructor and coach. She graduated summa cum laude from Virginia Intermont College with a degree in equine studies with a focus on equestrian sports psychology. How cool is that? Question in sports psychology. I know, isn't that awesome?
0: No wonder you two get along.
1: I know. She was a wicked good young rider, very successful competitively in um, the collegiate world of riding. And um, she even worked for some top notch professionals like Olympian Leslie Burr Howard. And um, got a whole host of experience with warm blood, champion warm blood breeders, Suzanne and Joe Hutton of Dream Hill Farm. If you take a look at Dream Hill Farm's website, you'll drool over some of their babies. So, uh, you know, Nora comes with both book learning and real world experience. And I have to tell you, she is one of the most diplomatic, kind but firm trainers that I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And, And she can make any horse look fabulous regardless of their training, even the green ones, they just, they go so easy under her, you know? So she's a great person to watch as well, as well as a great person to learn from.
0: Terrific. Well, let's get them on and bring up some listener emails. Well, thank you, Jennifer and Nora, for joining us here today.
3: You're welcome. Thank you for having
0: us. <laughs> now, I want to tell you guys that Helena is not off limits today. Just because she's the host, uh, you know, what we, we have our current coach and her, her past coach. We, we don't want to, you know, make sure, you know, I just want to make sure you guys knew that. No respect is required is what I'm saying. <laughs> I
4: think we'll be nice enough.
0: Oh, jeez! See, that's not what I was counting on, Nora. That's not what I was no? counting on. No, not at all. But anyway. All he right, can we...
1: do this because he's like 900 miles away.
0: <laughs> I haven't okay. given a respect for 207 episodes. So I don't know why you guys should start. <laughs> but here we go. Um, we have some listener questions. The first one is from Carol in Indiana. And she wrote in and asked. By, by the way, apologize to the listeners if these are like two years old and we're just digging them out now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, that would be. A I'm sure they've solved plan. their
0: problems or sold the horse, one or the other, since then. <laughs> So, they
3: wrote they wrote in and asked about learning how to do trot poles and, and yes. they're, they're over at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah they're okay. now
0: riding. It's Nick Skelton rode in about three years ago. Was <laughs> Skelton. All right, here we go. This one uh my horse is lazy. I have to carry a crop and wear spurs just to keep him going. What can I do to pep him up? I show in long stirrup and novice hunter divisions. So who wants to who wants to lead off on that one?
3: I think Helena should. <laughs> I should. I should. Orlando,
0: what,
4: what do you do to get your lazy horse to go forward?
1: I teach him how to buck. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I do. Um, you know, there. It, it's funny because the the two choices that come to my mind are spurs or a crop. And um, I'm sort of a, a I, I guess if you had a word for me, it would be a simplest. Because I like to go as natural as possible when I'm riding, so I don't want to ride with spurs, but I don't, and I really don't want to have to use you know all these extra aids or whatever. So I try to think of well, which is the least obtrusive, which is going to get my horse to go forward without creating additional problems. So I decided that spurs would be the way to go because um, they're multi useful. You know, not only can they help my horse go forward, but if I need a little extra power or strength or clarity in my lateral leg aids, the spur can sometimes help me with that as well. So I went with the teeny tiny little baby spur. And I'll tell you, Brody is uh, slow. He's a pokey little puppy when he's out uh, doing ring work in my field. He's not really interested in just kind of going around in circles. And I don't blame him. Uh, So I went with a tiny little spur and that made all the difference in the world in us working towards getting him fit and just riding around on an oval. I, I, you know, and the, the, um, to use it like a dressage whip or to use a crop. I'm afraid to be honest with you, because the last time I actually used a stick on a horse, he bucked me off. You were there. I remember
4: that. that.
1: Yes. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I was so not expecting it. So I was really loose in the tack. I was just like, I was trying to get him to canter. And yeah, I remember Nora was like, go ahead, go with the stick. Cause he was just being a little, little piggy poo. And yeah, I, Tapped him Surprise. with the stick, and kaboom, dirt sandwich. Nora? Um,
4: I I kind of agree with that. I like to put a little spur on my riders as opposed to a lot of stick, especially if you don't know the horse. There always seems to be a lot of aggression involved also when you're using a crop on a horse. And I don't think that that kind of emotional action is always a – a positive factor for a horse. I think it sometimes creates more problems or a more sour horse that feels like it's being attacked um, than actually brightens them up and and gets them to go forward. So I agree. I think that the spur is is a better choice for
1: the most yeah. part because you best. can you, you can use it or not use it. Whereas a stick, it's just you use it. You, you know, it's it's hard to tap lightly or not. I mean, you can, you can control the strength or power in your use of the stick, but I think you have a lot more control over, um, the intensity of the aid with a spur as opposed to a stick. As long
4: as you have control over your legs, of course. True. (laughs) So for the the beginner beginners, that, that isn't always a good option, but I think for the experienced rider who has leg control, that's, that's the best bet in my book.
3: Jennifer? Well, um, I'm going to come at it from a different angle, since Carol says she carries a whip and uses spurs. Yeah, she uses
0: them both already, so then what do you do, you know? So
3: what I'm guessing is she has taught her horse that whips and spurs are to be ignored and they don't really mean anything at all, which you, I'm sure you've seen this again and again, Nora. The um, The rider who carries a whip either it's a little short crop or a big long dressage whip and they tap the horse 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 and they tap the horse. And And after Oh, six or 8 million taps, the horse says, well, that doesn't mean a daggone thing to me. So let's just ignore it. And then they get a bigger whip. Mm. (laughs) You see that a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, So I'm going to um, throw Carol under the bus and say, Carol, this is a communication problem. And you're the one that's not communicating. (laughs) You need to reteach what forward is. The horse just obviously doesn't know. And whatever aids you're using with your stick and your crop and your legs aren't getting the point across. So a really easy, fun exercise to do this with, um, and I see it all the time in clinics that I go to, is transitions between gates and within gates. That means you can go from walk to trot to trot to walk from walk to canter to canter to walk, um, from fast tot to sl- slow trot, It that is not real important. The importance is that you get an effective transition and you get a timely transition. So when you say from walk to trot, you go from walk to trot and you do it now. Um, that may need, mean you need to change up your aids a little bit. Um, when you think about it, how often do we do a transition when we're riding every day, Helena? When you ride in a given day, if you're not working on transitions, and I know you just got a new horse, so you're working on lots of stuff. How many circles do you do, you do before you do a transition to something else? Mm, three, four, S- four. Yeah. So so you'll do you'll do five or six or seven minutes of trot work, and then you'll walk. Right. Well, so that doesn't create a lot of transitions. No, right.
1: right. Unless I'm working on transitions. Well, <laughs> Unless no, you're working I'm, on
3: transitions. And I I'm know you, you work on though. transitions.
1: I do. I try to incorporate transitions into my work. So in those four or five minutes, I do try to throw in a couple of transitions. I'll come down from, from a trot right to a halt and then right back up into trot again. Uh, so I do kind of mix it up. Number one to make sure the horse is listening, but number two to uh, make sure he's using the hind end because I tend to find horses that like to drag themselves around on their front end. Yeah. But I'm different. That's me. So if you
3: if you're doing that, and let's say you're going to do you're practicing transitions, you're going from walk to trot, and you're going from halt to trot, and you're using those three back and forth and back and forth. And after about a half an hour, the horse gets more sluggish. What's going wrong? Hmm. The rider is obviously telling the ro- horse the wrong signal. He's getting the trot, but for some reason he's being demotivated. So, again, rider error, Carol.
1: It's not the horse. <laughs> he's being demotivated. It's never
4: Could've- the horse.
1: <laughs> but could we also it's say that maybe, horse. is it possible that the horse just doesn't want to go forward because he doesn't feel well? Exactly. Well, and we have to assume that there is, because
3: there's only two reasons a horse move forward, either a physical barrier or a mental one.
1: And we're going to assume that there's no physical barrier. So let's say that for for the the purposes of our conversation today, we're going to rule out the physical barriers. We're going to say that Carol has gone ahead and said, you know what, all things being equal, my horse is otherwise healthy and fine. He goes forward um, freely when not under saddle.
4: I mean, that's... Well, another 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 option to look at it is to how to make the horse fresher in the mind um, you know if, if all training aids are going well then why not take the horse out of the ring and see if we can perk his interests and make life a little bit more interesting for him that, of course, I mean, that, he's
1: just you think he's just bored there yeah, yeah
4: a lot yeah. of times they do get bored especially I know with a lot of the Hunter type, equitation type horses—they do just go around and around and around. And a lot of them, you take them out of the ring, and you—if you have a nice field to ride in or a soft, uh, grassy edge to a road—and get them out and get them moving around and looking at nature and and <laughs> and other things, and not just sand and jumps. I think that really helps to keep the the mind of the horse fresh. And then when you return to the ring, sometimes that that freshness stays. And that would be Good sort idea. of an easy fix. Yeah, yeah. an easy cross fix
3: for,
1: for, for everyone.
3: And it didn't cost you anything at the tax
1: shop either. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and no extra training sessions or lessons. Just go out the gate. Take a walk down the road and back.
3: Go out
0: the gate. And if you Here go we. trail riding with me, you're guaranteed to have a turkey land on your horse's head. That'll sprice, spice things <laughs> That'll up a them. bit. You want a
1: turkey land on your horse's head?
0: Yeah, when, when we went trail riding in Pigeon Forge and we were there last summer, we went and Jennifer drugged me out trail riding and said, you have to go trail riding with me up, up the mountains there in, uh, in the, uh, uh, it was in western Tennessee, or eastern Tennessee, rather. And we, we did this lovely trail ride with this nice guide, and I had a great horse. And first thing we head out, we go over this tiny little bridge with some trees above it, and this turkey flew down from the top of the tree and land, and hit my horse's head. That's your duck. Now, That's
1: like your duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's your turkey. No longer oh, a
0: you it's have a turkey, turkey? now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Glenn to have a turkey.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, things can be exciting when you trail ride with me. All right, next question. Uh this is from Cindy in California. I've been successfully showing my eight-year-old quarter horse gelding at unrecognized shows, and now I want to move up to some rated shows. How can I teach my horse to tuck his knees over fences? Ooh, quarter horse jumping. Wow. Wow. There's one. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to take this one and lead off? Um, not me. <laughs> Jennifer, Nora, Uh, jump in. uh,
4: Gymnastics, gymnastics, gymnastics is the best way to teach your horse how to use his body properly over the jumps or in the most stylish manner. Um, Depending on the level of the horse and rider, um, lots of times small gymnastics are appropriate. They don't have to be enormous. Um, and trotting in is always a good option for those gymnastics, so that the rider doesn't need to worry about uh, a distance to the gymnastics and then getting out. Um, so I would say trotting in over a small cross rail, canter one stride to a vertical, canter one more stride to another vertical, and teaching the horse to go straight and use his body, and adjusting those distances appropriately so he so he can use his body well would be my my number one recommendation love gymnastics
1: that actually when you described that line there was sounded I I could visualize it very clearly in my mind and it was very inviting (laughs) (laughs) I was like "Oh, oh I want to do that right now and it should be
4: and it also teaches the rider to to have a good balanced position and to ride straight and to jump with the horse instead of maybe ahead of the motion or behind the motion um builds confidence too in in both horse and rider and strength. I'm a big fan. I'm a gymnastics girl.
3: I am (laughs) absolutely on your page, Nora. And might I add, if you want to get the full effect um, in the spirit of the Olympics, if you get your horse some nice uh, lycra shoulder guards and maybe a little bit of twinkle for his eyelids, (laughs) he could be outfitted like a proper gymnast and then go to town.
1: (laughs) Oh, hey, yeah. Just make sure he sticks his landing. <laughs> sticks it's, it's his no, landing. I, I don't know
0: if we want to stick to the landing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably not a good idea, and I don't even know much. Uh, uh, let me ask
1: you a question then about about gymnastics and um, oh, well, actually, or what it means to go from an unrated show circuit to the rated show circuit. Uh, obviously, we want form uh, form and function. I, I believe that they they go very very closely together and really one doesn't necessarily follow the other i think a horse can learn one so that they can perform better with the other for example form if you have nice form over jumps really what you're doing is you're being an effective rider over jumps um, or on the flat whatever it is that you're doing so why does it matter then when you're going from an unrated show circuit to a rated show circuit that form should be so much more important or is it really function that we're talking about because you're getting more competitive at that level
4: um, I really don't think that there should be a drastic change in how you ride when you go from a schooling show to a rated show because I mean, really, the judges should be looking for the same I, the same quality in the horse and rider um, and and the same um, style, everything like that. The difference is at the rated show is there's going to be um, perhaps a higher quality of horse there, uh, people with more resources to spend on horses with good style and lots of talent, to spend on training, to spend on uh, fancy equipment, which is something that shows up a lot at rated shows. So really what what the rider is... Is striving for is the same, but there's going to be more people with more resources at the rated shows, and so sometimes people with less resources have to work a little bit harder to achieve the same result and to be competitive.
1: That's a really so, good point. Yeah.
3: So hmm. Nora, this is a this is a question because I didn't spend as nearly as much time doing hunters and jumpers as I did in the eventing business, and obviously. Us eventers are much more into staying on than whether or not our horses' needs are up. When a rider goes from regional level to rated level, the competition gets tougher. Um, you have horse, like you said, you have athletic horses, people with resources, etc. Are there things that a rider who is at that point? Because I come across a lot, come across a lot of these people. They're at that point in their riding where they feel like they want to go. F- and make that jump into rated shows, even if it's not the A's, maybe it's the B rated shows, Um, but they're hesitant. What advice would you give to those people? And what would you suggest that they do to prepare themselves so that when they go, they're not disappointed in themselves, not because they're not winning ribbons, but because they feel intimidated by um, the level of competition. What would you, if that was your student and the student had the, the physical skills to move up, but was worried about not fitting in or worried about not winning ribbons and feeling um, like they weren't doing well because they weren't winning ribbons. What advice would you give to that person to encourage them to go ahead and, and, and test yourself a little bit, move up and, and give it a try?
4: Um, my, you know, the, the biggest recommendation I give to my kids is go into the ring and ride the best that you can. Put it all out there. Uh, be smart. That's a, a big phrase I use with the kids. I say, you may not be the best rider in the ring, but you can always be the smartest. Mm. You can always be the smartest rider in the ring. So use the tools that you have in your toolbox, right? Uh, be thinking, thinking ahead of what you're doing and, and give it your best go lay down the best trip that you can. And then it's really up to the other riders. I mean, you can't control who shows up. You can't control if there's a nicer hunter or one that jumps in better form, but you can put your horse at the best place in front of those jumps and give him the best chance to show up his best form. And that's all you can do. You can't control who else shows up in the ring that day. So if you give your horse the best chance, even if you don't pin, you don't get a ribbon or you don't win. At least you know you did the best you could. And the rest is really up to whoever else shows up that day and how well they ride. So Excellent. giving it your all. That's that's kind of the recommendation. Be smart and ride well and that's all you can do.
1: Give me an example of what it means to be smart at that. Is that does that mean having a strategy for each trip? Does that mean what does that mean to be smart?
4: That means to you. Well, I'll give you a a good example. Um, I have a student, and she has a very weak left leg. So if she's making a circle or making a turn after a jump, say a rollback turn, and she has a weak left leg, her horse doesn't always move away from that left leg in the turn. It's that idea of inside leg to outside rein, right? So... Sometimes she makes a turn, and because her horse doesn't move away from her left leg, he falls in. And that will maybe put her too close to another jump or give her a bad approach to whatever jump she's going to. And I say, then don't turn so early. If you know your horse is going to drift in on your left leg, then don't turn so early. A smarter idea would be go straight for longer and then make your left turn because you know he's going to fall towards your left leg. And you're going to end up further in than you thought you would. So there's an example of being smart. If your horse drifts to the left, don't turn left so early to cover up for the drift.
1: Mm. So take what you have to work with and work with it. Don't necessarily try to change it. Don't. She's not going Wait. to increase the strength in her left leg overnight. So if she does have a weak left leg, that's what she has to work with. Strategize to accommodate. Well, I, I guess that's exactly. what anything. You're going to strategize to accommodate your strengths and weaknesses. You just have to be aware of those strengths and weaknesses for every individual trip, whether it's um, a go cross-country or whether it's in the Hunter Ring. I guess you kind of do have to analyze every single ride.
4: Exactly. It's not every rider is going to have the same plan. Not every rider is going to have the same strategy. And so you have to Go in with a strategy that works for you and your horse. Ooh. Not what, not what Susie did on her horse, and you know she scored a ninety. Well, well, maybe that's not the plan for your horse. Your horse needs to do something different so you can show it off to your best ability.
3: Right, great advice. That that's great. I really love that that Dora the uh, rides. Sm- that's a really good example of riding smarter. And I suspect there are a lot of us out there. Um, that you just you you see the big picture the whole round, but you really need to break it down to those small pieces and make sure every single piece, um, from trotting in and doing your warm up circle to transitioning back to a walk after the last fence, every single individual piece, just like individual pieces of a dressage test, really need to be ridden at their maximum for that particular team on that particular day. That's
0: exactly it. All right, cool. terrific. One more question for you here, and this is from Lisa, who is in Indiana. And she says, oh, and you know what? This relates to the largest growing population of the horse world, and that's, uh, that's women who are coming back into horses after being off for a while. I am a rider of a certain age who's going back to riding after some 20 years of desk jockey lifestyle. The day after my first ride, 30 minutes, I could hardly walk.
1: i know how she feels (laughs) yeah i
0: do that every time i ride my bike every day Uh, i do that every
1: time i get out of bed
0: (laughs) what can i do to help ease those stiff sore muscles the next day can i recommend i can answer this one and even better is there anything i could do to minimize how sore i get in the first place uh the gym for about two months before you started riding would have been terrific that probably would have helped.
1: But Just I see. can answer that. Glenn, yeah, in ahead. his infinite wisdom, yes. I, I'm going to start out with this one because I've I've had so much experience and time spent with physical therapists over the last year. Um, I, you know, to reduce muscle soreness, it's you can reduce the pain and the inconvenience of muscle soreness by, um, I'll tell you, ice and. Jamie Cohen, our equine sports massage therapist who has been on uh, several times on the Horse Radio Network, he is a big fan of ice and he definitely uh, got me on the ice bandwagon along with my physical therapist. Ice is such a a – Um, an incredible healer it it does a lot for inflamed tissues and really that's what your soreness is it's just inflamed tissues you've woken up those muscle fibers and they're sort of you know you've screamed at them you put them to work and they're kind of screaming back at you so ice is is great 20 minutes on 20 minutes off that's all you have to remember i do that over the course of an uh, the evening but in terms of preventing soreness it it is having a plan. Um, starting out slow. Don't ever put your body into a place where you are you're working so intensely after ha- not having worked for a really long time. So baby steps. And if you're the impatient type like I am, just do lots of baby steps. You know, um, getting into the saddle. Sometimes just sitting and walking. When I first got back into the saddle after um, my ACL surgery, all I did was sit. And let my body get reacquainted with the muscles that are required for sitting up straight in the tack. And then it was, well, let's just squeeze my legs to move off at the walk. And now, that you know, you're an able-bodied person, so you don't obviously have to go that slow or with, with those baby steps. But find out, again, think about what your baby steps are. Um, maybe you're just, maybe you do just want to do a couple of weeks or a couple of months of walk trot. Um, you know, so again, just back it up, go slow, and with each ride increase your level of physical intensity in the saddle a little bit more and you'll find that you you're less likely to stress out your muscles and your bones
3: jennifer uh my advice is going to be straight from the uh the trainer's handbook you need to warm up and cool off (laughs) before well (laughs) you're right it's simple you do um you, get, you go to the barn, you get on the horse, you go for a ride, you get off the horse, you get back in your car, and you go on with your life. Um, learn some simple
1: yoga exercises that you can do without too much embarrassment at the barn. Wait, I just <laughs> have to interrupt you for one second. I what? think yoga is the best thing to happen to horsemanship ever. Just so Uh-huh.
3: You know. <laughs> right,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and, and target
3: those key areas that, cre- that have the most tension when you ride. For example... Um, your thigh muscles, your ankles, your shoulders, your lower back. Those are muscles that muscle groups or areas that very commonly get sore for riders. So find yoga exercises that help you to relax and stretch those sections. Do them before you ride. And just as importantly, do them after you ride and do them between your rides.
1: And it will go a long, long way. Just make sure that when you do stretch anything, you warm up the muscle first. So for some people that could just be walking, it could be light warm up, you know, moving around a little bit of light cardio to get the heat built up in in the muscles Um, because I guess now we're starting to learn that you don't want to stretch cold muscles. that, That can make you more prone to injury. Um, or it could just be throwing on a heating blanket or rubbing your muscles. Sometimes I just rub my quads because my quads and hamstrings are the ones that, that are first to go whenever I get to doing something really physical. Um, so sometimes I just take my hands and rub them up and down my quads and my hamstring strings just to get a little bit of heat before I stretch them.
0: So. This is a revelation. Now I know why we eat appetizers first.
1: You're warming
3: You're up.
0: You're warming them up. You're warming up your <laughs> mouth, your stomach. You're getting them all ready to go for the, for the main course. makes sense. Could be, could be. (laughs) Nora did you have anything you wanted to add to that?
4: Um, No, I I agree with Jennifer and Helena, stretching, Um, stretching, stretching, stretching. I have a lot of young students who have sore backs and they go to the chiropractor and they get massaged and that can all be very expensive but what you can do at home is just stretch, stretch the hamstrings, Especially the hamstrings, because that's really what pulls the lower back out of uh, out of order. hamstrings and hip flexors. So, oh, the hip yeah. flexors! I'm yeah, are like flexors. iron.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, one of the things that's nice about yoga—just another plug for yoga here—is that, again, for those of you who might be impatient, I always hated stretching before any of my sports. Just, ugh, and like so impatient. Let's just get to the fun, fast stuff already, right? One of the things that I found that's really nice about yoga is it is self-stretching, but the positions make it feel like a massage. I had one yoga instructor just say to me, she had given me something. You slip one arm under another, you're laying on the floor, you're all twisted up. It felt so good. It was like, she said, isn't that just yummy? And so it was this uh, other way of uh, stretching that didn't really feel like you were stretching. It felt like you were treating yourself to a, Massage,
0: and nobody's believing her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? It's true. Well,
3: the problem there is I have I have to have a a uh, I have to have a pit crew
1: nearby to get me untangled if I do that kind of stuff. I mean, it's stuff. easy. They have they have yoga for people like you, Jen.
0: <laughs> and we're going to end on that. <laughs>
3: yoga for people like, like Jen. <laughs> take the remote up, put
1: the remote
0: down. Take
3: the remote up. Put the remote down.
0: Well guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Nora, what's your website?
4: www.noraharris.com.
0: All right, and of course you can find Jennifer over at horsetipdaily.com. Thank you both. I hope we can do this again sometime in another 2 years when I have more listener questions. <laughs>
1: Thank you
0: for having me. Bye, guys. Thanks. Well, that was fun. We, we're going to have to do that more often. And I you... think this
1: is my favorite Stable scoop episode ever. You say that you've every said week. that before. <laughs> no, this is really it. This trumps them all. I get to talk training issues with my two expert training like wing girls. <laughs>
0: Well, if you have any training questions or any questions at all about your horse, send them over to uh, Helena, H-E-L-E-N-A, at horseradionetwork.com, and we'll try and get them answered by somebody on a future show. We know a lot of people here in the horse world, so we can certainly find somebody to answer some question or another. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Now it is time for our Tack and Habit segment. Today's Tag and Habit segment is sponsored by Equestrian Collections, and I'm going to let you hear the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week commercial because this is also the product I chose, and, and it just is kind of a coincidence here, so we're going to hear this first. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week.
2: Hi, Glenn. You know, I want to ask all of our listeners— doesn't it just make you crazy when your spray bottle just doesn't work? It either leaks or it breaks, and you're squishing that thing and nothing comes out, and you can't get underneath your horse. Well, I have the perfect product. It's the Kelly Just Anyway Spray Bottle Nozzle. For less than two dollars and a half, we send you this spray bottle nozzle. You can put it in any spray bottle, you know, of the normal size that you use for your for your fly spray and stuff. And you can go underneath the horse. It works upside down. It works and it doesn't,
0: place place. it doesn't
2: leak? It doesn't leak. And you know it doesn't break. These things I am always throwing them out and getting new ones in. And these are really, really good. We completely, you, we use them here, and we just think they're great. Um, The, the, it's a nine-inch little hose there, but you can cut that off if you need, if you have a shorter bottle. So you know you can. It works in several other types of bottles. And for two dollars and a half, it would make the perfect little gift for somebody at your barn that's having a birthday, or you know for stocking stuffer as a holidays approach it's just and they're in stock too so get them while they're
0: hot Well, I, and it doesn't leak right it doesn't leak. <laughs> because that's the worst thing you're in the air spraying you turn the bottle over to get the bottom of the horse and it leaks all over your hands and then you got not to wash your hands you got fly spray all over you it, <laughs> it, it's just you know it's one of those things we all have to deal with when, as horse people that, that I didn't know there was a solution for so now there's a solution for less than two and a half bucks you might as well buy ten of them and replace all your bottles
2: Well, that's exactly right. And you can go on our website, www.equestriancollections.com, and just search for Just Anyway Spray Bottle, and it'll come right up for you.
0: Terrific. Equestriancollections.com. All right, so now I'm picking an expensive product, as you heard in that commercial. I'm choosing that product because I am so excited about the Kelly Just Anyway Spray Bottle Nozzle. Now, they couldn't have had a more hard name to say. But this is a spray bottle nozzle worth two dollars and thirty nine cents that can squirt upside down and does not leak. How much does it drive horse husbands especially crazy? And 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 you guys, when you turn your bottle upside down and it leaks, or you're trying to squirt underneath and in the spray, spray leaks all over your hands. I hate that.
1: I do too. I oh. do too. That's like when you're giving your horse a, a bath and you're spraying his ears with water and it all it drips down your armpit. Oh, I hate it. I just hate <laughs> that. Steve. Well, now they're
0: claiming that this nozzle really works, and they said, she said Stephanie has used it from their company, so I had a minute to call Stephanie back and say, does it really work? So here, let, you can hear that short conversation. Okay, Stephanie from Equestrian Collections, I've been told that you have actually used this, this Miracle Spray Nozzle from Kelly that actually you can turn it upside down, and that's one of my bet, pe- biggest pet peeves as a horse husband is when I have to do the fly spray or when I have to put show on or anything and you turn it upside down, it leaks all over your hands. So
2: it, it works great. It, it lets me get that fly spray in all the nooks and crannies where the bugs like to bite that you can't get the fly spray in. And my hand stays dry, and it, and it continues to spray. It doesn't, you know, just empty the little tube that's in the top, yeah, and yeah. you can't spray it anymore <laughs> Cause, because it has a little nozzle at the bottom of the nozzle so that when you turn the, the liquid upside down, it will pull it from the, bo- from the, the bottom, so it, it works great.
0: So there it is. Stephanie says it works. You can spray upside down, and the neat thing about this nozzle, it has, it has a hole at either end of the little pipey thing, so if it is upside down, it's still picking up. It, it, it works upside down, too. That's why it works upside down, too, is because it draws from either end of the nozzle pipe. Isn't that a cool idea? So
3: it's, it's just the top. It's not the whole spray bottle. You can put it on any old spray you bottle. You put it
0: on any old spray bottle that you know those those screw tops are standard yeah. for most yeah. of the fly sprays. Like and your stuff. spray spray comes in, and,
3: and I have to spray upside down a lot because I have to spray Beaker's tummy twice a day because there's bazillions of of blood sucking insects in his paddock. I already told a question. Uh, why haven't you already bought me half a dozen of these? of
0: these? Because <laughs> you might as well order ten of them, one for every bottle, at that price. I mean, <laughs> why not? We
1: go- Jennifer, what is your at the moment? I know that you're searching for the holy grail of insect repellents, but what is your uh, preferred fly spray right now?
3: <gasps> oh, I'm glad you asked.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, be, that was a be, question well. We, as right
3: as regular listeners to Horses in the Morning and Horse Tip Daily know, uh, we do have a mosquito problem here in Ocala. Thank you, Tropical Storm Debbie. She brought out the mosquitoes in full force. Uh, don't have a lot of flies, so um, I just use. Nature's defense fly spray. It's a natural product. It's not really oily. It, it works fine for flies. Doesn't do squat for mosquitoes. So, after a bit of surfing on the internet, I found um, some research that indicates that catnip is a good mosquito repellent. Really? So, I took the beast's catnip. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Every cat. time I get the thing out to make some fly spray, he looks at me like, "Why is that's mine?" <laughs> And I made catnip tea with it. I heated up some water, put some catnip—just you know, catnip leaves like you buy a buy for your kitty—and I put them inside of a uh, coffee filter and tied the coffee filter shut so it would yeah. go on the. And put it in the hot water, and put yeah. about two tablespoons of rubbing alcohol in the water as well. Let it steep until it turned nice and brown, probably ten or fifteen minutes. Put it in a spray bottle, and uh, sprayed it like crazy, and it
1: really, really helps. You're kidding. I am thrilled. fabulous. That's fabulous. You know, I have to, and now I was supposed to do this. And as we're discussing this right now, I just remembered that I was supposed to send you a box of mugwort, which we talked about because I have that here, but we also have catnip growing all around our patio. And I'm wondering why the mosquitoes don't come on. We haven't, we really haven't had a mosquito problem here, Um, but we have These huge, huge catnip plants all over, they they surround our, we have a semi-circular brick patio and the catnip grows all around there. Um, So I can actually box that up and send it to you. Now,
0: so. Either that or just cut some off and rub it all over the horse.
1: We do that too. Well, that's what we do with the mugwort. Any type of um, wild growing insect repelling plant, you just take the leaves and you crumple it up, and you rub it. I rub it all over their faces, especially like their eyes, because we have face flies around here. And so they go right into, the, um, you know, right into the horse's eyes, the corner of their eyes. So I take the plant, and I rub it all around the rims of their eyes. And that helps keep the flies away from the eyes. Um, but tell me something, Jen. Uh, why the alcohol, the rubbing alcohol? What does that do? Well,
3: the articles and research bits that I read did not specify exactly what parts of those um, catnip extracts did the repelling. Because some of the stuff is going to be water-soluble, and some of it is going to be alcohol-soluble. And I wanted to make sure I released everything out of there. So I put the alcohol (laughs) in there on the off chance that what I really needed was the
1: alcohol-soluble bits. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. So you needed something to make sure it broke down so that it could be aerated, aerosolated. Or so whatever. it would go into my, my right. uh, solution,
3: like you have, That's- you know, oil, yeah, that kind. So that was, that was an Alton Brown, thank you very much, Food Channel trick. Um, so I did that to make sure that that worked. And there was only tablespoon. I would use like a, a two-cup measuring cup full of water. About two yep. tablespoons of alcohol, and then I'd pour it into uh, my sprayer, and my sprayer makes um, about three cups um, of so it, it gets diluted just a little bit, but it was all pretty much straight tea, and I'd spray it on him twice a day now prior to this, the poor poor old beaker he would he, he would look like a piece of cauliflower in the morning when I would go out from oh. mosquito bites, yeah, and significant. Reduction. More than, I would say 75% fewer mosquito bites if I put it on him twice a day.
1: Now, you said
0: it doesn't do much for flies. We don't have a bad fly problem here. Matter of fact, I hardly ever see a fly. Um,
3: It doesn't do squat for flies.
0: Yeah. It's just definitely a mosquito thing.
3: And it doesn't smell hardly at all. Okay. Uh, now, yeah, the yeah.
0: one problem we've been having is every stray cat in the neighborhood is attached to his face in the morning. But other than that, yeah. it's been fine.
3: Yeah. And that's a problem because... <laughs> I never thought of that, Glenn. Remember the next door neighbor's cat came
1: over here and got loose and came over here to our house?
0: Yeah, he was he was following <gasps> Could be the horse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Light bulb moment. Light bulb moment at Horse Radio Network. <laughs> uh, well, I have to say one of the things that I noticed in my new fly repellent, I actually went to a tax shop and... Sp- and paid retail for two fly sprays. I tried two. I, I said, you know, my teas, cause I've been making teas of all kinds and they have not been working against the big biting horse flies. And yeah, you have a lot of those, you know, uh, what we do. Against we have those,
3: those Lena, what nuclear
1: fallout. Yeah. No kidding. I, I know. Or, or like a bug shaped rifle. So, I don't know. Something I could <laughs> nail those things, but they bring out the violent side of me. A so the deer, the deer, yeah, the deer flies. And, uh, And the big biting horse flies. So I went to – I paid retail, which is painful for me because I don't normally have to do that. Uh, And I bought a bottle of absorbing Ultra Shield Green because I like to keep it as natural as possible. I've tried some of the black bottled commercial fly sprays and the chemical smell is so strong. It just sends off all kinds of bells and alarms in my head like nobody should be breathing this stuff in. So I went for the Ultra Shield because it's green and I am so pleased – you know, a lot of the other fly sprays say, oh, you only have to put it on every 14 days, every five days. This says every couple of hours, like every eight hours, which I thought, well, at least that's a little more realistic claim.
3: It's honest. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, it's honest. So that means to me, uh, you know, every four hours or five hours, I go out and give them a little reapply. It's been really great at keeping the biting flies away. I mean, great. I'm very impressed. And this, the particular sprayer they have sounds a lot like the one that we're featuring today. Um, Well, you can turn it upside down, but it almost vaporizes the spray. Instead of like a wide stream of liquid, it it mists. Super fine, yeah. It's super fine. I love that. Um, And of course, that can be found at Equestrian Collections as well. So if you're looking for this uh, Just Anyway spray bottle nozzle, you can also check out. They have refill bottles too, the Ultra Chilled Green. Oh, They're so the big you can, gallons. Yeah, yeah. i
3: I used the green the year it came out. I got a sample of it from the folks over at WF Young, the absorbing people. Yeah, um, to help. And just wanted some feedback on testing, and I had the same result. I used it last summer in Kentucky. And I was very pleased. In Kentucky, biting flies like you have. We have the little black, what we used to call house flies, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I found it to be very effective. Um, the horses weren't offended by the smell. It didn't have any mm-hmm. issues with rashes and stuff. Yep. Um, so get your Ultra Shield green and then get yourself one of those nifty, what are they called again, sprayers, Glenn?
0: Uh, Kelly Just Anyway Spray Bottle Nozzle. The, right. Yeah,
3: the Kelly Spray Nozzle.
1: and uh, And you'll be set for the summer. And I did also buy a second fly spray for testing purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I bought, I bought. Well, many years ago, I worked for. Uh, I had a client, uh, woman by the name of Jenny Elliott, who started a company called Comcoat. I don't know if oh, you guys yeah. have ever heard of oh, Comcoat, yeah. right? So I did a lot of her marketing for her, and uh, it, so she sent me, you know, free samples of her product, which I absolutely love for a, a multitude of, you know, sweet itch, rain rot chiggers, healing wounds, all kinds of wonderful things. And so uh, the company has since been sold, and it's now owned by Manapro, which I know, Jen, you've had some good luck with their products. I think they're a pretty good company. So they have taken some of that original Comco formula and put it into a fly repellent. So I did buy um, a bottle of that, and I'm going to compare to see how well it does against the Ultra Shield.
0: And we'll have a report on that in a future show. Well, that's you can find all of these products we're talking about, and especially the spray bottle nozzle, which now I have to order 10 of. com. Just search for spray bottle nozzle, and, and you'll find it in there. And as I said, it's expensive, $2.30. But you won't get all gunked up anymore. <clears throat> well, that's it for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. We hope that you are enjoying the Olympics. As of this point, when this show is coming out, the equestrian stuff is over for another four years. But we have the World Equestrian Games coming up in two years in France. So mm. they don't get the kind of coverage, though uh, the TV coverage that the Olympics has gotten this year. It has been nice. I don't care all these people picking on NBC for their coverage. We, you know, in past years, you've never been able to watch what you could watch this year uh, on your. We've never seen every test of every horse event. So that has been nice to be able to see.
1: Uh, Yes, yes. And I've been up at the crack of time yeah,
0: I'm watching <laughs> like, yep.
1: it Yep. it's been very distracting
0: dog. now everybody next week can get back to work so yeah, no
1: kidding that's been the nice little <laughs> mental vacation oh sorry i can't do work i have to watch show yeah, that's right
0: as i'm required i'm a horse person <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah yeah it's true i get all like uh-uh is streaming live i can't be bothered answering your emails do you know that the brits are going now <laughs>
0: Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, you can listen to all the past episodes of the Stable Scoop radio show at StableScoop.com and all the shows, including Jennifer's, at com. Don't forget to check out Horsetip Daily. You have how many episodes up there in Horse Tip Daily now?
3: 650, 671
1: oh my gosh <laughs> that's awesome
0: Now they're short they're usually they're short. 5 10 15 minutes so they're short you can you can get you can get through all of those if you started at episode one you could probably get through all of them in in a year <laughs> no problem <laughs> thank you it's Jennifer
1: you're welcome bye-bye guys. thanks Jen Say all right Glenn we, we did it didn't we we made it through another episode yes
0: Say goodbye we have to go
1: oh we do well happy scooping scoopers <music>